Welcome to This Week in Astrology. This is episode number 494 for the second half of May 2019. This Week in Astrology is the free podcast that deepens your astrological wisdom. We always start with a forecast and regularly include other special features. Make This Week in Astrology a regular part of your astrological education. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Benjamin Bernstein, broadcasting from the virtual location of thisweekinastrology.com and the physical location of Asheville, North Carolina. To get to a specific part of this show, including the forecast for a particular date, check out the index at the very end of this MP3. You can also see this index in writing at thisweekinastrology.blogspot.com. We're going to start with the forecast, as always, and have a very quick announcement and then get into the juice of the show, which is an interactive listener consultation with Nicole. Transiting Uranus is about to conjoin her natal north node and square her natal Jupiter-Venus conjunction. We discuss how she can work with this potent transit in the areas of spirituality, career, and life purpose, not to mention her roles as a mother and wife. We also get into the astrology behind some of her passions, including creative writing and astrology itself. But first, let's dive into the forecast. Relationship growth opportunities are catalyzed by numerous astrological events in the second half of May. These include a Scorpio full moon and most of our six new aspect patterns. We also have the Sun entering Gemini, as well as Neptune aspects encouraging inspired creativity and spiritual awakening. What's old as we come into the second half of May? We've got a waxing moon. We've got three retrograde planets, Jupiter through August 11, Saturn through September 18, and Pluto through October 3rd, and several aspect patterns continuing, including two cradles and a T-square. So now let's get on to our individual days of the forecast. On Thursday, May 16th, you can enjoy increased mental focus and productivity, especially in practical matters with Mercury trine Saturn, Mercury 20 Taurus, Saturn 20 Capricorn. On Friday, May 17th, your personal healing work can be supported energetically, compassionately, and strategically thanks to a T-square that starts today on May 17th. It features Mars, Pallas Athena, and Chiron. It peaks on the 28th and ends on June 9th. These qualities apply whether you're giving or receiving the healing work. The same qualities support you if sage advice is given or received. With Mars in Cancer, this healing dynamic may include family members. Also, on Friday, May 17th, don't hold to an unsubstantiated opinion too stubbornly as Mars quincunxes Jupiter. Mars, 22 Taurus, Jupiter, 22 Sagittarius. Use the extra energy Jupiter sends Mercury to assess the facts of the matter objectively. On Saturday, May 18th, a full moon illuminates the sky at 5.11 p.m. Eastern Time. That's at 28 degrees Scorpio, technically 27 degrees 38 minutes. Any Scorpio full moon is great for release or adjustment in many areas, including transformation, shadow work, and sexuality. Scorpio can also represent occult practices, great wealth, and shared resources. Insurance, taxes, and inheritance are also within Scorpio's domain. Aspects 
This Scorpio full moon opposes Mercury and sextiles Pluto. Pluto has the same keywords as Scorpio, so his presence gives smooth, energizing support for all the Scorpio themes I just mentioned. Tarian Mercury encourages you to persistently learn about or share information relating to these Scorpio themes. The luminaries also form a challenging aspect pattern with Juno and Pallas Athena. If this pattern has a name, I could not find it. It's bordered by an opposition, a square, and two semi-squares, while the opposite corners are connected by 135-degree sesquares. This mystery aspect pattern could stir up challenge in a committed partnership. If so, Pallas Athena suggests using strategy, diplomacy, and tact to negotiate a win-win outcome. The Scorpio moon and Juno's placement in Cancer emphasize the importance of facing whatever old emotional wounds are triggered by this conflict. As usual, I recommend the four-part nonviolent communication process to work out things with your committed partner and my free healing invocation to support your personal shadow work. To get to that four-part nonviolent communication process, just Google those words and it'll come right up. My healing invocation is at astroshaman.com. The last word on the menu bar is resources. And the first pull-down item will say Invocations for Healing and Awakening. That'll take you to the page where the healing invocation is described. This full moon Sabian symbol is the king of the fairies approaching his domain. Broadly speaking, any king approaching his domain creates a sense of increased power. Power is a crucial Scorpio keyword, and how a king uses power says a great deal about his character. An insecure leader dominates and controls by any means necessary, since he's always fearful of being overthrown by a usurper. But a leader who's tapped into the ultimate power, the divine source within himself, overflows with power. He has no need to control anyone else. His greatest joy becomes awakening others to the divine power that lies latent within them. The rising tide lifts all boats. But the king of the fairies is another matter. The mystic fairy kingdom operates by its own trickster rules, which have no regard for human morality. A fairy might be physically attractive, even sexually intoxicating, but they would think nothing of seducing and discarding a human after their mortal plaything is no longer useful or entertaining. Even if the human dies or goes insane, this would not trouble the fairy's conscience. There are many more whence came that one. Fairy amorality has much in common with the fearful dominating human. What fairies do amongst themselves in their dimension is their business and perfectly appropriate there. But we humans can cultivate compassion, kindness, and unconditional love. Why not choose the power that blesses all? Also, on Saturday, May 18th, you can take a deep dive into investigation, research, or detective work with Mercury trine Pluto. Mercury, 23 Taurus, Pluto, 23 Capricorn. This aspect can also smoothly empower sustained mental focus. Also again, on Saturday, May 18, you can take relationships, creativity, and finances to the next level with Venus conjunct Uranus at 4 degrees Taurus. If anything's out of alignment with your higher purpose in these areas, you will experience destabilization, possibly in a surprising way. Listen for, or request, intuitive flashes to guide you in whatever release or restructuring serves highest good. What if a relationship, creative project, or financial situation does align with your sole purpose? This aspect can give it a quantum leap to the next level of wonderful, or show you how to make that leap yourself. On Monday, May 20th, old emotional wounds, represented by Ceres, could get triggered in a relationship, Venus, 
during the six days of this Venus Ceres Palace Yod? If so, combine strategy and negotiation, that's Palace Athena, to craft a mutually satisfying resolution. Then Ceres can shift from sorrow to her more welcome qualities of harvest and abundance. This Yod begins today on May 20th, peaks on the 23rd, and ends on the 25th. On Tuesday, May 21st, two mystic rectangles begin today, and both serve mainly to reinforce the message of that Yod that started yesterday. The most obvious reason for this is that both aspect patterns include Ceres, Sorrow and Mourning, and Pallas Athena, Strategy and Negotiation. The odd that started yesterday featured Venus, who represents a relationship that would catalyze emotional challenge. Both mystic rectangles include Chiron, the wounded healer, who takes on Venus's relational role. Communication is inherent in the Yod, since this theme is naturally carried by diplomatic Pallas Athena and relational Venus. In the mystic rectangles, communication is even more clearly shown by the two Geminian planets that distinguish each aspect pattern, the Sun and Mercury. In short, the fundamental message of all three aspect patterns is the same. Use skillful communication to heal the wounds catalyzed by a relationship. The fundamentally harmonious quality of the mystic rectangles suggests that you'll receive plenty of grace if you make an honest effort. I once again recommend the four-part nonviolent communication process to work things out with your committed partner and my free healing invocation to support your personal shadow work. About those mystic rectangles, the Mercury Ceres Palace Chiron mystic rectangle starts today on May 21st, peaks on the 24th, and ends on the 27th. The Sun Ceres Palace Chiron Mystic Rectangle lasts much longer. It starts today on the 21st, peaks on the 29th, and ends on June 4th. Also, on Tuesday, May 21st, learning and communication is a major message today. The Sun and Mercury both enter Gemini, then quickly create a conjunction at 0 degrees 12 minutes Gemini. The Sun's entry into Gemini makes learning, communication, variety, and playfulness strong themes for the next month. This is soon followed by a Mercury-Neptune quintile, Mercury 0 degrees 27 Gemini, Neptune 18 degrees 27 minutes Pisces, and a Sun-Neptune quintile, that's the Sun at 0 degrees 28 Gemini, Neptune at 18 degrees 28 degrees Pisces. These fairy dust aspects can stimulate the flow of divine inspiration into your thinking and communication. The Sun quintile also supports embodied awakening. Also, and finally, on Tuesday, May 21st, the day closes with a distinctly different example of this magical aspect, a quintile with Pluto and Chiron. That's Pluto, 23 Capricorn, Chiron at 5 degrees Aries. This can add powerful juju to healing and mentoring. On Wednesday, May 22nd, your ability to take immediate action on your intuitive flashes is harmoniously stimulated by a Mars-Uranus sextile, Mars for Cancer, Uranus for Taurus. With Mars in Cancer, this aspect can also help you open your heart more fully while making love. This aspect can also support breakthroughs in compassionate leadership and emotionally satisfying athletic achievement. On Thursday, May 23rd, that Yod featuring Venus, Ceres, and Pallas Athena that started on May 20th peaks today on the 23rd and will end on the 25th. Also, on Thursday, May 23rd, We have two aspects today involving outer planets and asteroid goddesses. 
The first, a Pluto Vesta square, Pluto 23 Capricorn, Vesta 23 Aries, puts a spotlight on whatever selfless service you're giving to a higher cause. If it's soul aligned, you'll feel empowered in your service. If the service no longer excites you, consider releasing it or transforming it so it comes back into harmony. Also, on Thursday, May 23rd, the second outer planet asteroid goddess combo is a Uranus Juno quintile. Uranus, 4 degrees Taurus, Juno, 16 Cancer. This can support a breakthrough or paradigm shift in a committed partnership. For best results, both partners should pay close attention to their intuitive flashes. Finally, on Thursday, May 23rd, Chiron aspects two personal planets today, a Mars-Chiron square, Mars 5 Cancer, Chiron 5 Aries, can catalyze old emotional wounds and support their rapid healing. A Mercury-Chiron sextile, Mercury 5 Gemini, Chiron 5 Aries, highlights the important role communication can play in this healing process. On Friday, May 24th, that mystic rectangle featuring Mercury, Ceres, Pallas, and Chiron that started on the 21st of May, peaks today on the 24th, and ends on the 27th. On Sunday, May 26th, divinely inspired learning, writing, and communication are abundantly supported by a T-square featuring Mercury, Jupiter, and Neptune. This aspect pattern begins today on May 26th, peaks on the 30th, and ends on June 3rd. This T-square also gives strong support for sharing life-changing wisdom with others, as well as focusing on spiritual awakening and expressing your inspired creativity. One caution, don't fall into street corner preacher syndrome. With this aspect pattern, there's a danger of enthusiastically and unintentionally spreading misinformation. By the way, for more on spiritual awakening, uh, you can go to my invocation for that, astroshaman.com, on the menu bar, last words, resources, first pull down, invocations for healing and awakening, and the first post will be about the embodied awakening invocation. Also, on Sunday, May 26th, mentoring and similar wisdom-sharing activities are smoothly and enthusiastically supported by a Sun-Chiron sextile, Sun-5 Gemini, Chiron-5 Aries. On Tuesday, May 28th, that T-square featuring Mars, Pallas, and Chiron that started on May 17 peaks today on the 28th and ends on June 9th. And now a new aspect pattern. A committed partnership could reach new heights of joy thanks to a Yod featuring Venus, Juno, and Jupiter. Your task, decide what adjustment would unlock this relationship's highest potential. You have one week to take advantage of this finger of God, which starts today on May 28th, peaks on June 1st, and ends on June 4th. Also, on Tuesday, May 28th, divine flow and committed partnership is also supported, and smoothly at that, by a Neptune-Juno trine. Neptune, 19 Pisces, Juno, 19 Cancer. This energy is ideal for extended eye-gazing, conscious chakra blending, and other activities designed to merge your spiritual awareness with your beloveds. On Wednesday, May 29th, that mystic rectangle featuring the Sun, Ceres, Pallas, and Chiron that started on May 21 peaks today on the 29th and ends on June 4th. Also, on Wednesday, May 29th, Mercury makes two aspects today, a Mercury-Neptune square, Mercury-19 Gemini, Neptune-19 Pisces, can sow confusion for those who are less divinely conscious, but it can increase the flow of intuitive knowing for those who are more awakened. This square is wonderful for creative writing and other mental endeavors. 
a Mercury-Chiron quintile, Mercury, 17 Gemini, Chiron, 5 Aries, can lend special inspiration to mentoring and similar wisdom-sharing activities. On Thursday, May 30th, that T-square featuring Mercury, Jupiter, and Neptune that started on May 26th peaks today on the 30th and ends on June 3rd. Also on Thursday, May 30th, a steady flow of creative inspiration is available with Venus sextile Neptune. Venus, 19 Taurus, Neptune, 19 Pisces. With Venus in Taurus, this harmonious energetic aspect is also ideal for law of attraction work and embodied awakening. This sextile also makes it easier to perceive the divine in the people and things around you. Also, on Thursday, May 30th, Mercury makes two aspects today, a Mercury-Jupiter opposition. Mercury, 21 Gemini, Jupiter, 21 Sagittarius, could exacerbate mile-a-minute monologues or an endless flurry of texting. Used more mindfully, it can provide high-powered stimulation of positive mental activities. If words are running away with you, call on the Mercury-Saturn quincunx, Mercury, 20 Gemini, Saturn, 20 Capricorn, that also happens today for an adjustment. Saturn's restraining influence is the perfect antidote to Jupiter's endless expansion. Saturn can also lend focus, maturity, and perseverance to your learning and communication. On Friday, May 31st, Steady Eddy Energy for Relationships, Creativity, and Finances is available with Venus Trine Saturn, Venus 20 Taurus, Saturn 20 Capricorn. Taurian Venus encourages you to take all the time you need in these areas. Also, on Friday, May 31st, transformative thinking is energized when you make the right adjustment with Mercury Quincunx Pluto, Mercury 23 Gemini, Pluto 23 Capricorn. This aspect also supports research, investigation, and communicating the honest truth, no matter how taboo it may be. Whatever your sun sign, Astro Shaman's forecast can help you make the best use of the current astrological energies. All dates and times are in the U.S. Eastern Time Zone. Events are most powerful on the dates listed, but their influence will be active for at least a week before and after. Everyone's affected by these global transits. However, you'll be most powerfully impacted when moving planets activate sensitive points in your natal chart. Discover how these transits are personally affecting you by booking a session with me. You can learn more by going to astroshaman.com. Under Services, choose Astrology Plus. Looking ahead to our show for the first half of June, we're going to have some really juicy aspects. We've got Jupiter and Uranus making a sesquiquadrate, 135 degrees. We've got Pluto opposing Juno, the asteroid goddess of committed partnership, new moon in Gemini, and Mars aspects three slower planets, Neptune, Saturn, and Jupiter. On top of that, we have four brand new aspect patterns, a T-square, a grand trine, a hard rectangle, a yod, with a variety of impactful planets. So I'll be here giving you all that and ensuring that you have the best information to make the best use of these astrological energies. I hope you'll join me. You can hear my forecast on This Week in Astrology, but would you also like to get a free, concise version in writing? How about having it conveniently pop into your inbox? And while we're at it, how about occasional bonus articles on astrology, along with simple, powerful healing and awakening techniques? That's what you get with AstroShaman's free email newsletter. To subscribe, go to astroshaman.com. You'll see the newsletter sign-up form at the top of the sidebar. And if you like calculating your own astrology charts, why not use the world's leading Windows astrology software, 
and get it for the lowest price available. Esther Shaman is an authorized dealer for SolarFire Gold, which also runs on Max running Windows and recent Windows tablets. To learn more or place your order, visit astroshaman.com. From there, click on Products in the menu bar and choose SolarFire Software from the drop-down menu. A free forecast newsletter and the best available price on SolarFire Gold. Two great reasons to visit astroshaman.com right now. I only have one announcement this time. It is for people who are local to the Asheville, North Carolina area. Breakthrough to deeper healing and awakening with shamanic breathwork. This potent transformational event will happen on Saturday, May 25th, 1 to 5 p.m. here in Asheville. Supported by focused breathing and powerful music, you can experience a natural altered state and spontaneous shamanic journeying. This process can release old wounds, challenging emotions, and dysfunctional patterns, resulting in greater health and wholeness. You might also open to new levels of spiritual awakening. I'll be supporting you. I'm certified as a shamanic breathwork facilitator, and I'll make sure your journey is safe. Learn more on the homepage of astroshaman.com in the What's New section. Welcome to our interactive listener consultation. Today I'm with Nicole. Nicole, thank you for being on the show. Welcome to This Week in Astrology. Thank you so much for having me, Benjamin. I'm really excited. Me too. So let me verify, Nicole, that I have your information correct. It's June 12, 1967, 1.57 p.m., New York, New York. Is that correct? Yes. And as always, I verify the ascendant and moon to make sure the chart is calculated correctly. Does your chart have Libra rising, 4 degrees, 27 minutes? Yes. And is the moon in Leo at 16 degrees, 3 minutes? Yep. Awesome. We have the right chart. So... Um, <laughs> So tell me what you'd like to focus on today. Um, well, I've been studying astrology quite a bit lately, um, and I'm well aware that I've got transiting Uranus um, about to conjoin my north node and at the same time square a natal Venus-Jupiter conjunction. Mm -hmm. And um, on the one hand, that, that I'm a little, little excited about it. On the other, I've got some fear around it. Um, mm. So... Hoping you could give me some perspective and guidance on how to prepare for that transit and um, also whether that transit in Uranus on the North Node might help me ascertain my life purpose, which is something I've been struggling with a lot lately. Okay, will do. Um, what I'd like to do is, and again, you're, I'm verifying what you're saying. You do have Uranus about to conjoin the North Node natally. You do have transiting Uranus already having squared Jupiter and it will very soon square your Venus. Yeah. And, and so I think, <clears throat> let's do this. It so happens that Venus is the ruler of your North Node anyway. <laughs> uh -huh. And of course, from what you described, uh, there's a T-square. You know, Venus and Jupiter are in a natal square to the natal North Node and South Node. So I think let's start with just a natal analysis of life purpose as well as what Venus represents in your chart. And then once we have a core foundation of what do they mean in the horoscope anyway, we'll be much more equipped to say what the transiting Uranus is likely to do. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Okay, beautiful. Okay, so um, so let's go natal here. <laughs> um, let's start with um, the life purpose, because that will lead us to Venus anyway. So... Um, life purpose, of course, is, is most explicitly stated in astrology by the lunar nodes. The south node 
Um, in your case, the south node in the second house in Scorpio, um, moving toward the north node in Taurus in the eighth is, is a powerful part of that life purpose message. But I've also found that any major message in the chart is also part of life purpose. The whole chart is really a life purpose message, and you just have to see what the juiciest parts are. By the way, I want to remind my listeners, um, um, charts relating to Nicole's chart, natal chart, and moving charts, etc., are at um, uh, this week in astrology.blogspot.com for this show. And you'll see toward the end of that show listing, I have Nicole's name with a link. And if you click Nicole with a link, it'll take you to the PDF I created of all this chart work. So you can see it um, if you wish. Or you can calculate your own because you know her, her natal data. So one interesting thing about your chart overall, Nicole, is it's what I call a flip over chart. Um, because every house has the opposite sign on its cusp of its natural state. Um, the first house naturally resonates with Aries. You have Libra on the cusp. The seventh house is a naturally Libra-flavored house. It has Aries on the cusp. And in the house system I use, Porphyry, every single house cusp has the opposite sign on it. <clears throat> and there's actually a meaning to this, which is finding, finding complementary opposites in balance, not necessarily choosing an either-or, but finding the harmonious blending of two seemingly opposite energies. And, and I mentioned this because it's also true with your north and south node. Because here we have the north node in Taurus in the eighth house, which is naturally Scorpio flavored. And we have the Scorpio south node in the second, which is naturally Taurus flavored. So it's like the old Reese's peanut butter cup commercial. You got chocolate on my peanut butter. You got peanut butter on my chocolate. <laughs> so, so it's not really about moving from one sign to the other. It's about harmoniously blending them because you've got it coming and going on both sides. Um, so therefore, let's, let's, for example, look at the North Node in Taurus. Um, therefore, part of your life purpose is to embody Taurus. And Taurus, of course, is money and material possessions. So obviously it's saying you need to get to where you have enough material resources to have a comfortable, satisfying life. Um, it's also saying, you know, it, get into your five senses. Taurus is the sign of all five of them. So you want to really enjoy what you see and hear and touch and feel and taste. So enjoy your food, enjoy, you know, being part of music and, you know, just the, the whole physically embodied part of life. So just really have a very sensual life experience, which of course can include sexuality, but it's much more than that. Um, Taurus is also about where it's important to stick with things, stick with them. You know, persevere when perseverance is appropriate, but be sure not to persevere beyond the point of something's point when it needs to be released or transformed. Um, and also Taurus is the sign of nature. Um, it's a good idea to spend as, you know, a reasonable amount of time out in nature, you know, just communing with the woods. Um, nature's so good at bringing us all back to harmony when our crazy modern lives get us all jangled. Um, and it can even be gardening. You know, it's optional, but. <laughs> so those are some of the, the primary meanings of Taurus that you're being asked to embody as, as part of this lifetime. So that's just the beginning of a life purpose description. Um, any questions on that so far? Um, no. Okay, good. I, I definitely live too much in my head, I know. So that's a challenge. Okay, uh, as do most of us. <clears throat> uh, then we go on to see, oh, but, but the North Node's in the 8th house. And that's Scorpio, exactly the opposite complementary meaning of Taurus. So, 
of the eighth house says, okay, for example, Taurus says, I only believe what my five senses tell me. Taurus doesn't resonate with anything that's occult or mystical or anything like that. But the eighth house is all about that stuff. The eighth house is the house of mysticism, occult practices like astrology, numerology, tarot, runes, mediumship, psychic stuff. That's all eighth house stuff. Um, and the eighth house is also releasing into transformation and not knowing what's going to come out of it. And often that involves, well, it always involves releasing an existing status quo, which is what Taurus loves more than anything. You know, one of Taurus's mottos can be, the devil I know is better than the devil I don't know. But the eighth house says, you got to let go of everything, you know, because you're going into the depths, you're diving into the deep water, going into the cave, and you don't know what's going to be on the other side. All you know is you're releasing what you know and going into the mystery to see what comes next. And there's no way to know exactly what it's going to be. So it's, it's, it's a balancing of both. There's times when it's better to hold the line and stick with what you got. There's times when it's better to release the known and dive into the unknown. And so for you, it's about the appropriate balance between the two, not just one or the other. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's beautiful. Okay. Also, it could be um, the eighth house is, uh, is about, you know, other people's money. Taurus is about income. And, and forgive me, actually, what I wanted to go with there was Taurus... Uh, income and the eighth house, the occult mysteries. You mentioned in your email that you were thinking about maybe becoming a professional astrologer at some point, right? Yeah. So that I would, I would love to. <laughs> that actually supports it. There's the eighth house, the occult arts, which include astrology and Taurus. Uh, you're making your money from your own efforts. So that's actually opening that to one of the possibilities that the setup makes possible. And as we'll get to shortly, we'll have. There's other things in the chart that suggest you could be an astrologer. One of the most blatant is that your natal sun at 21 Gemini squares Uranus at 20 Virgo. So Uranus, the modern ruling planet of astrology, is tightly square your sun. And that's that, that ties Uranus very powerfully to you. Uh, another hint I saw was in Hellenistic astrology, the planet that rules astrology is Mercury. And in Hellenistic astrology, Mercury is the ruling planet of astrology. You've got Mercury as the first planet up in the 10th house of career. Um, not, it's just about 10 degrees into the house. So um, you've even got it in Cancer, which would make you a very compassionate, loving astrologer, as, as how you express you know, your communications. So that's, that could definitely play. Okay, so that was a slight tangent, but let's come back to um, the North Node again. Um, so we've covered the, the life purpose points, house and sign. Um, I'd like to, uh, on the first page of the PDF I created, I, I, I included not only the horoscope on the first page, but an aspect grid in the lower left part. And the life purpose is, 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 has got a lot of challenging aspects. When I look at the lunar nodes, they make hard or semi-hard aspects to your sun, Venus, Jupiter, Uranus, Pluto, Pallas, um, the Ascendant and Descendant. They do fortunately make harmonious aspects to the Midheaven, which is important. But there's a, there's a pretty strong message of initial challenge around getting onto life purpose. And here you are born in 1967, so you're now, what, uh, 52 years old? Almost, yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like you've really nailed life purpose yet, or are you still on the hunt for it? No, <clears throat> excuse me, definitely on the hunt. Okay, no. so so there's the natal prediction, the, the lunar nodes making a whole lot of challenging aspects to significant points, indicating that finding life purpose would have been a challenge in this lifetime. 
So to me, that kind of confirms. Does that mean it has to be hard from now on? No. <laughs> Hopefully, um, I'm going to try to give you a good understanding of life purpose, and that way you can you know, finally harmonize with that. And with the North Node sextile the Midheaven, there's a definite message that you can do your career and have it be the same as your life purpose. So, so to me, that's a very optimistic message. Um, so rather than go into, um, you know, all the particulars of those aspects, let's now go to the next level of life purpose interpretation, which is at, um, <clears throat> the ruling planet of the node. Um, so again, since the north node's in Taurus, her, her, the ruling planet is Venus, which is the very planet you've been asking about anyway in your initial right. question, right? So now let's go over to Venus and, and interpret it not just as the ruler of the node, but let's dive deep into Venus in other ways too. But for the moment, confining it to life purpose, Venus is in Leo. And Leo, of course, is the performer in the spotlight, the leader, the one who's out there making things happen and is very visible. Venus is also in Porphyry houses in your 11th house, which is the house of groups of people. So it's a high visibility sign. It's a high visibility house. So this says part of your life purpose is to get out there and be seen where it's appropriate. Um, are you comfortable getting out into the spotlight when it's appropriate? Um, I think I would be, curiously, right now. I mean, I, I pretty, pretty much couldn't be more isolated. I work from home uh -huh. <laughs> by myself, remotely, um, doing a lot of writing and researching and things of that nature. So I kind of feel like I've been living small. And, okay. Uh, yeah, but uh, if it was the right circumstances, I, I think I would enjoy that. Okay. Now, when you look over the whole course of your lifetime, have there been times when you've been in spotlight and you've been comfortable doing that? Um, sort of in, in social situations with friends and things like that. Um, okay. Um, Work-wise, you know, I've always been in law. Okay. And I don't, I don't enjoy it particularly, so I've kind of been trying to keep out of the spotlight in that area because it's, I, I don't really enjoy conflicts. I'm not really quite sure how I <laughs> managed to make this career choice. Um, okay, well, no worries. Sort of a strange dichotomy. Okay, so, um, but what the chart's suggesting is in all areas of life, when it's appropriate, you know, moving into the spotlight, being more visible and seen is, is a good thing. And mm -hmm. it's part of what you're here to grow into, to be more comfortable in a more high visibility position where appropriate. Um, that's where I'm putting the Leo. And also Leo's about you know, have fun, relax, recreate, take appropriate risk. You know, there's, there's, you know, play with your inner child or play with kids. That's all part of it, too. Mm -hmm. um, now, Venus is very tightly conjunct Jupiter, uh, less than three degrees away. Jupiter rounding to the nearest degree. Jupiter's at four Leo. Venus is at six. Um, and when Jupiter's conjunct any point, one of the things that happens is Jupiter amplifies it and makes it bigger. So it's, it's kind of saying live large. Um, part of your life purpose is to, to have a large, expansive life and to, um, to live with gusto, with appetite. Mm -hmm. um, so that's another part of it, too. Um, another meaning of Jupiter is the professor, philosopher, guru, what it boils down to is someone who's helping people with meaningful information that makes their lives better. So um, to me, the potential of you being some sort of teacher or wisdom giver is, is in the mix in terms of life purpose too. 
Is that something you do even informally, like you just with friends or whatever? Do you sometimes give helpful advice and help people out? Yeah, I, I'm, I seem to be better at giving other people advice than, my, than myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do enjoy that um, on sort of a casual level. Okay, nice. And you've got a Chiron that's, um, that's actually aspecting all four of your angles, and that certainly contributes to that as well. But, you know, just Venus conjunct Jupiter is enough of a message to let us know that's part of it, too. Um, it also suggests part of your life purpose might involve foreign travel or learning from other cultures, you know, keeping a very broad, open mind. And, uh, and definitely to having a coherent philosophy of life, whether it's religion or philosophy or spirituality, just having a sense of this is what it means and, and getting clarity on that for yourself. <clears throat> so that's just Venus conjunct Jupiter. Um, let's see what other cool aspects Venus is. I'm not going to cover all of them. She's pretty heavily aspected. But um, Venus is almost exactly square the lunar nodes, said to be at the bending of the nodes. So again, we saw in the natal grid uh, how many hard and semi-hard aspects the nodes make, and the nodes are even tightly squaring their own ruler. Again, underscoring you know, the late blooming effect on, on finding life purpose. So again, you don't have to beat yourself up that you haven't found it yet. The chart predicted it would be tricky. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. And so, but that... a little behind, behind. It's okay. Well, maybe, but maybe you're actually perfectly on schedule with the great scheme. Who knows? <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm 59 years old and just learning certain things now, and I could beat myself up for not having got to it sooner. I could say, okay, it must be the perfect time because now's when it's happening. <laughs> I prefer to tell a, I prefer to tell a more life affirming story than a more life defeating one whenever I can. Okay, so you can do the same if you want. Yeah. So the square to the nodes just to me indicates challenge and coming to alignment with it. Um, also, but let's let's take another Venus meaning because Venus is also relationships. Uh, most people take that as a primary meaning. So Venus square the nodes says. Be careful who you spend a lot of time with, who you partner with in whatever way, because the people you connect with are going to have a powerful effect on how much you are moving toward life purpose. So, you know, a good question to ask when you're choosing to spend time with people is, is moving forward in relationship with this person in alignment with my life purpose or is it pulling me away from it? And I would think whenever possible, choosing people who support your life purpose might be a better choice. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so that's that's another way to interpret Venus, uh, square the nodes. Venus, of course, is also creative. Uh, I think you mentioned creative writing is one of your interests. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, again, Venus can be creativity, and um, therefore creativity could very much be a part of your life purpose if you feel you know inspired by it. So I wouldn't hesitate to do that either. Um, earlier I mentioned Mercury being the first planet up in the 10th house of career. So having Mercury, the planet of writing, that prominent um, could definitely support the idea of doing writing. Um, I also saw that Mercury is, is, um, is trying Neptune, which is creative inspiration. It's sextile Pluto, which gives powerful supportive energy. Um, Mercury also has a couple of hard aspects. It squares both Mars and Saturn. And Mars can be a potent energizer and really fire things up. So that can create sort of an urge or an itch to write. Is that is that true of you sometimes, just a real desire to get the writing done? Yeah, it kind of goes and fits and starts. Um, 
I'll, I'll do it for a while quite consistently and then I just feel a huge block and I stop and mm -hmm. so that's a challenge well I can see um, two reasons for that um, Mercury's in Cancer which is ruled by the moon <laughs> And the moon waxes and wanes and is variable. So to have a planet in Cancer ruled by moon could, could indicate a more variable expression of that planet. Mm. Um, also, Mercury is square Saturn. Now, the, the square is much looser to Saturn than the tight square to Mars. But again, Saturn can potentially be obstacles. So um, you might have to occasionally get started and overcome inertia or writer's block or whatever is kind of slowing you down on that. And yeah. when Saturn's in the game like that, just having a regular discipline, I'll say, okay, I just write every day at a certain time, I get real disciplined and routine about it, that can help a lot with, with the way your chart is set up, if you're willing to set a, a regular time and place for the writing. Yeah, I did do that a few years ago. I got up every day early and, and wrote, and I actually completed a novel, but you know, it didn't really go anywhere, but um, it felt good to get it done. I okay, kind good. of to get back in that routine. Yeah. And then, you know, I've, I've, I'm, you know, soon will start serious work on my own books. And just remember the one of the great phrases for writers is great books are not written, they're rewritten. Mm, yes, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of talk about the crappy first draft that you got to get out and then you get down to the, the work of, of, you know, polishing it into a gem. But I'm, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir on that. <laughs> Okay, so back to life purpose. Uh, we were exploring creativity expressed by Venus and then tangenting off to something you had mentioned in your email to me about writing to, to bring that into the fold too. Right. Um, also, Venus is money. So part of your life purpose is you know learning how to work with money and, and having responsible financial management so you can you know meet your expenses and such. Um, and also with Venus in the 11th house, which again is groups of people, again, it just... I get the sense of, you know, choosing your groups well, too. You know, we all have groups of people we hang out with, whether they're just uh, several friends or formal organizations or clubs or whatever they may be. But again, choosing those and asking yourself, does this support my life purpose? And, and choosing as much as possible to affiliate with groups that are in alignment with that. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The last thing with Venus and the 11th that occurs to me in ancient astrology, the 11th is the house of um, hopes and wishes and dreams. But in modern vernacular, I like to say it's the house of law of attraction. So it also suggests mastery of learning how to call in abundance, um, which, you know, if you transition from lawyer to doing like writer or astrologer or any combination of that, that's going to be you know important to do. Uh, by the way, I recently discovered a marvelous Law of Attraction book that's my favorite that I've ever read. It's called Creating Money, Attracting Abundance. It's actually a channeled work. And the primary author is named uh, uh, Sanaya. The last name's escaping me. But it's the only book with that title, Creating Money, Attracting Abundance. It sold over half a million copies, translated into 24 languages. It's, it seems to really have hit a spot for people. So if, if you need help with that, that I recommend that book to anyone who's interested in manifestation. Yeah, I could definitely use some help with that. <laughs> okay. So I think, I mean, Venus has lots of other aspects, but oh, the one last I wanted to get, because it's apropos to your initial question, Venus actually has a natal semi-square to Uranus. Very tight. It's like um, less than one degree orb, which is super tight. So Venus already has a natal relationship with Uranus which will make the, the transiting Uranus a little easier to manage because your Venus already is accustomed to that energy. Oh, that's good to know. What that suggests is that when 
Um, in fact, I'm seeing also that Uranus and the lunar nodes are very tight too, within a fraction of one degree of orb. Uranus makes a, uh, a sesquare, 135 degrees to the north node and a, uh, a square to Venus. So Uranus is already lining up with both with everything that the natal Uranus is hitting. So again, it's it, these these points are already accustomed to Uranus, which means they won't be as freaked out by it. <laughs> That's kind of the relief. <laughs> yeah. Now we'll still get to what to do with Uranus when it hits them, but I just wanted to let you know they've already got a connection. Yeah, um, I didn't and, that. yeah and what the yeah, I find that using the octile aspects, the 45 degree and the 135 degree are very resonant, especially when looking at slower planet aspects. Mm. Um, I've seen very powerful effects from those what are called minor aspects, but the, the effects can be quite major. Um, so what this says is, with Uranus so wired into not only the node, but its ruler, is that occasionally you need to make a paradigm shift. So... I, it's it's amazing how often I see this. Whenever I see a, a client with a strong element in Taurus, it seems like there's always some kind of strong Uranus connection that helps to shake it loose when it needs to get unstuck. Okay. So, um, so one effect of this could be that uh, it depends on you. Have you do you still have trouble unhooking yourself from the things that have worn out their usefulness, or do you do you release them pretty promptly when you see that they're no longer serving you? Um, that's speaking. something I struggle with, definitely. And I've been feeling pretty stuck for a long time now, just kind of treading water. Okay. Um, All right. So treading water implies you're just going through the motions. There's no real juice or vitality to it anymore. Yeah. I mean, particularly in the sort of work career space. Yeah. Good. Well, to me, that's always an indication of time to either reinvent it or move on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, I would say that looks really timely, actually. Mm -hmm. Um. So, but anyhow, the natal setup with Uranus working these two points is, you know, when it's time for a shift, you can shift very rapidly if you're willing, but it takes, again, getting unstuck from that Taurus energy um, and, and not letting things just drag on beyond their expiration date. Mm -hmm. um, the way you can ally yourself more beautifully with that natal Uranus is to first uh, be your authentic self the best you can. My shorthand for that is fly your freak flag. And just, just be the authentic Nicole you are, you know, mm -hmm. at, at, at the very least to yourself. Admit to yourself, this is the ways in which I'm different outside the box, unique, and be comfortable with that. And then to the degree that it's appropriate, uh, share that with the larger world as well. Now, uh, some people like me can just fly their freak flag all over the place and not worry about it. But others have to be a little more discriminating, you know, what aspects of themselves they show. So just decide which aspects of your uniqueness you want to share you know, and, and where it's appropriate. Um, the other, the next is follow your intuitive flashes. Um, with Uranus so wired into the life purpose point, I'm curious, first off, do you know the difference between an intuitive flash when you get it and just another regular thought? Yeah, I definitely think I do. Yeah. So um, when you think broadly back, you know, generally speaking, have things gone better when you followed the intuitive flashes or when you did not? Um, I think that definitely when I follow them, yeah, I, I've had, I'd struggled to sort of trust my intuition has sort of taken some time and I don't mm -hmm. always do it, but I think it definitely works better when I do. Good. And that's my experience. And, and I've actually interviewed hundreds of clients on that same question. They all tell me 
they get better outcomes when they follow their inner guidance. So I just take it as gospel. And, and let me briefly give you my understanding of why it works so well to do that. Um, my perception is that before you became human, you were a soul and you actually very carefully planned out the key moments of the lifetime. You have a whole bunch of soul buddies that you agreed, okay, you'll be my mother, you'll be my best friend, you'll be my adversary, and major roles are kind of chosen prior to incarnation. For more on this, the book Journey of Souls by um, uh, Robert, I'm, I'm forgetting the, the author's name, but the, there's only one book called Journey of Souls that'll come up when you go to Amazon. And it describes a hypnotherapist who takes people back between lives and, and he does a bunch of clients and gets this composite picture of what the souls do to plan the next lifetime. It's pretty amazing. Oh, cool. Very cool. Very cool book. Um, yeah. But basically, um, this higher self was just all you were. And then you split part of you off to become Nicole. Part of you stayed back as the higher self to watch over Nicole and give her nudges. <laughs> Because for the majority of us who incarnate as humans, we get amnesia, we forget the soul purpose, we're down here floundering around the best we can. But the higher self understands this, it knows it's going to be going to amnesia in its human form. So it's allowed, under the rules of the game, to send down intuitive hits to give you suggestions as to action, but because it's a free will zone, it can't force you. So each human, if they're ready for this, this step, is must say, okay, to finally realize as I have, wow, when I get an intuitive flash, it's what created me. And then that part, which in a greater sense, I serve because me following my inner guidance is allowing that evolving soul aspect of Benjamin to get the experience it needs from this incarnation. I'm down here on a mission. It isn't just random, you know? And, and as it turns out, luckily, when I go into alignment with that, I have the best time ever. <laughs> I have definitely experienced the more I align with my inner guidance, the more amazing my life becomes. And in my case, you know, I abandoned my original plans and have come into a much more amazing, wonderful life than I originally had planned. So, um, <clears throat> and it goes very much to your North Node. You know, there's the Taurus part of sticking with the plan and the Scorpio part of just go into the mystery and just see what happens. And the more you follow those inner guidances, when they, especially when they lead you in unknown directions where it's very hard to predict the outcome, that's where you say, well, if my higher self sent me there, it must be the right path. I trust it. It made me. It is me. When, when this human part dies, it's all I'm going to be. So that's my own philosophy about it. And that's why I'm comfortable trusting it. Because, you know, it's, it's, you, know I, you can be the most intelligent human on the planet with an IQ off the charts, but you're still a drooling moron compared to the intelligence of your higher self. <laughs> it's got a much, much higher perspective. It knows the game much better than your human self. So I just trust it. So coming into alignment with that Uranus by trusting the intuitive flashes and acting on them as much as possible will harmonize that Uranus connection to your North Node and Venus. Does that make sense? Yeah, it really does. Yeah, and the highest expression of Uranus that I know of is serving others using your special gifts that you love to use. So the more you do that, the more you're going to light up and be electrified in a good way, too. Okay, so let me see. I think that's a fairly thorough life purpose breakdown. So just to put a quick summary without any of the astrology stuff. So you're here to stick with what needs sticking with where appropriate to release it when it's done 
to embrace transformation, the mystery, occult things that you're drawn to, transformation. Um, it's about stepping into the spotlight as a leader or, enter or entertainer when it's appropriate. It's about being the wisdom giver to others where all this is where appropriate. So I'll just keep, I'll stop saying that. The wisdom giver, learning from foreign cultures, traveling, um, choosing carefully who you spend time with, make sure they're in alignment with your soul purpose. Same with the groups, um, learning how to use money and resources well, uh, learning the use of law of attraction. Um, let's see what else. Following intuitive flashes, being your unique self. Those are, you know, some of the key points I think I made around the whole life purpose message. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That really resonates. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, and one thing I'll add here, the nature of astrology, as I understand it, it's archetypally predictive, but not concretely predictive. So it, that can't say you're going to have this specific job or, or get down to that really concrete, detailed level. It gives the broad energy picture. And within that energy picture, anything you choose that fits that description will be fine. You know, so we have a basic blueprint here, but you can improvise and, and fill in whatever colors you want within that blueprint. That makes sense. Yeah, so that's my understanding. So, um, so now that we've got some sense of the natal setup, and I think I pretty well covered Venus's... Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do a little more natal work because I haven't covered Venus's house rulerships yet. And they're actually pretty important. Um, so now we're, we're, we're not worrying so much now about Venus as the, the ruler of the North Node. We're just going to go Venus as Venus right now because she's getting the square from transiting Uranus. Okay. So Venus happens to rule your chart. You've got Libra rising. So the chart ruler becomes much more important than usual. It, it almost becomes uh, almost like a second sun sign, you know, representing you so strongly. So it, it's a strong sense of self. Um, chart ruler indicates this represents the body in general then, the general persona or mask you show to the world. Um, that covers how do you dress, how do you do your hair and makeup, what are your typical behaviors as you meet the world, all that is persona. Um, okay. So that, that's part of what she represents. Um, now Venus ruling the chart, Libra rising, usually indicates a, a pretty good ability to get along with people. Um, are you pretty good at being sociable and, and able to pleasantly interact with people when you meet them when you want to? Yeah, I'm pretty diplomatic and pretty reserved. Okay, good. Yeah. I find typically people with Libra rising or a strong Venus influence to the ascendant or its ruler tend to get along well with people generally. Mm. So, so that's one of the gifts you get with that. Um, let's see, often with Libra rising, there's a, a physical attractiveness. So I haven't seen you, but I would guess that you would be judged attractive by a lot of people. Not like a model or anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but I'm okay. pleasant to behold, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that, that's pretty predictable with Libra rising as well. Um, so those are some qualities of Venus there. Um, also, Libra rising can, you know, project creativity into the world and, and be a harmonizer, as you said, a diplomat, a balancer, and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I wanted to add that Venus also is ruling your eighth house, interestingly. <laughs> Taurus right. is on the cusp. So everything we just said about the eighth house and all that Scorpio flavor gets reemphasized yet again because Venus rules that house. 
So it gets double emphasis. The North Node's in it, and the nodal ruler rules it. So uh, a kind of an exclamation point on the eighth house energy there. So that's, I think that's a pretty thorough natal breakdown. Any questions on this so far? No, no. It's really helpful. Okay, good. All right, so let's now get to the actual transit you're concerned about. <laughs> so now that we have a deep understanding of the natal chart, we can, we can understand this Uranus more, more powerfully. So Uranus uh, this year is stationing right around um, six degrees, uh, seven, closer to seven Taurus. And of course, your, your north node is at six. So Uranus is going to, you know, conjoin that three times. And your natal Venus is six. I mean, the Venus and North Node are so tightly square, they're, they're like a quarter of a degree off exact, so it's going to hit them both pretty much at the same time. So since Uranus typically takes about a year and a half, two years to transit anything, that means you're going to be feeling Uranus on the North Node and square Venus uh, definitely through all of 2020 and maybe even into the first half of 2021. So you've got a little ways to run with this. So the good news is... Um, Uranus is actually one of the easiest um, transiting planets to work with in, in terms of the slower because it's, it's the one that is the most likely to tell you what to do. <laughs> Pluto, and, Pluto and Neptune can be a little subtler, but Uranus sends down those intuitive flashes and it can, you know, they can very clearly get them as, oh, this is what I should do because of this. So in a sense, it's lucky that it's Uranus because it makes it actually easier to, to get the message a lot of the time. But um, what now my view of transits is they all work for your higher self. And when they hit a point, whatever that point represents in your life, if you're already in alignment with soul purpose, they'll say, yay, you're doing great. Let's take it to the next level. And if you're not in alignment with life purpose, they will introduce challenge or destabilization in order to alert you to that. And, and give you a chance to either release the disharmonious thing or to, you know, remake it so it is harmonious. And that's broadly speaking what all the, the transiting planets do. Each one has its own style of doing that. So Uranus tends to strike like a lightning bolt and pop down an intuitive flash and let you know what's going on. So with Uranus on the North Node, you know, a clear emphatic message about it is time to align with your life purpose and if that means you have to, you know, embrace your unique self better and you need to follow your intuitive flashes better, then make it so. So, um, and again, we've already thoroughly described, you know, the nature of life purpose in the chart from the astrological perspective. So I don't know that I need to belabor that further. But if ever there was a time to, to get in alignment with your life purpose, it is now. And if that means, you know, finally exiting law practice and instead moving into supporting yourself through writing or astrology or whatever else you do, um, then it would be an excellent time for that. Um, it is worth mentioning, too, I mentioned the North Node and the Midheaven were sextile very tightly, less than one degree off. So Uranus is sextiling your Midheaven, even as it's making this conjunction in the square. So Uranus sextile the Midheaven is a time when you can catch intuitive flashes about career shifts, and, and the sextile says it can be rather harmonious to move through them. So actually, the Uranus is saying it can be actually kind of smooth to change careers over the next couple of years if you want to do that that's good to know yeah so i'm kind of been struggling with you know is it just like the environment i'm in like do i just chuck the whole law thing and or should i just move it in a different direction so, uh, well the way to do that is is in your imagination that's one thing i'm struggling with 
Well, one easy way to find that out is just do a do a fantasy about it. So imagine that you're doing similar work, but with a different firm or in a different scenario, and just feel as you as you imagine yourself doing the work. Feel on on a one to ten scale. How enthusiastic am I about this? Am I genuinely excited in this scenario, or is it just okay, or or just better than it was, or whatever? And then you can. Also imagine, oh, I'm imagining myself as a professional astrologer or a professional writer and hold that vision and see what the feeling tone is. Um, I actually have a little post on my site, astroshaman.com, forgive me, astroshaman.com called The Feeling Test. You can just search it for the search box and it describes exactly this technique. You're, you've got two or more scenarios you're wanting to choose from. You start and say to your higher self, okay, show me through feeling which one is the juiciest. And then you, you say, okay, so show me through feeling as I hold all these fantasies one after the other. And then you imagine in the way I described and what you pay attention to as you imagine it is the emotional tone. What emotions are you feeling and how strong are they? And you make a note of that when you get a sense and then you play out each of the scenarios in turn and see which one ended up the juiciest. And okay. it, in my experience, enthusiasm, enthusiasm is your higher self saying, go do that. <laughs> So um, that, that's okay. one way you can play with that if you want to. Yeah. Um, if you're a writer, um, now I mentioned you had a Neptune-Mercury connection natally. When you write sometimes, does it feel like you're just taking dictation and the words are just coming on their own? Yeah, sometimes. You really get in that flow. Good. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another way you could explore it. Where, so you, you sit down and you say, okay, Spirit, I need you to do some automatic writing from you, my own higher self. And my topic is, what's my ideal career moving forward? And you put that on the topic, and then you just relax, and you, you invoke spirit, please guide the words, send them through me, I'll just take them down, and you just start writing. And uh, you just write no matter what for a, like a 15 minutes or 30 minutes, you set a timer and see what comes out. You know, the first few minutes of writing is probably stuff you've already thought about, but eventually you get to the end of what you've already contemplated, and it'll be terra incognita. And that's often where the juicy stuff comes through. Okay. So, so doing a, an automatic writing exercise from your own higher self can be really interesting on a topic like that if you're predisposed to writing. So yeah, those are just little tools you can try. Okay, so, so that's Uranus on the North Node. Uh, whether it's career or anything else that is or is not in alignment with life purpose, watch for destabilization or triggering in life any area while Uranus is on the North Node. And then, okay, that got triggered, that got destabilized. Is that in or out of alignment with life purpose? The best I can tell. And and to me, uh, the simplest way of knowing that is, am I enthusiastic about it? Does it feel juicy and exciting? And do I feel you know a drive toward doing that? Or do I feel like, oh, I could care less, or I'm ready to be done with that? And just feel the vitality levels. You know, what Uranus supports, you'll feel electrified about. Right. Um, so, so or what you're not what you're not supposed to be doing you'll feel a separation uranus is considered a cold and dry planet it's very good at separating from what does not serve so uh in terms of life purpose that might be helpful now in terms of venus <clears throat> you'll specifically have your relationships brought up for review um so again um this could be your romantic partnership friend family business associate open enemy anyone who's important in your life for any reason is a venus relationship so just over the next year and a half two years just watch 
as your attention is drawn to a relationship and just get a sense from what's happening. Again, it's very likely that the most important ones, if they're not in full alignment with life purpose, will get triggered and challenge will come up. And and you'll have to determine for yourself, is this a relationship that it's time to let go of or minimize contact? Or is this a there's just is there enough good stuff here that the person and I can work through our stuff? And um, there, there's a couple of tools I routinely recommend if that scenario arises um, in terms of working something out with a person. The four-part nonviolent communication process is the best tool I'm aware of that two people can harmoniously get to a win-win solution when there's a challenge between them. And you can just Google four-part nonviolent communication process and it'll come right up and explain itself. And the other critical thing is to do your shadow work because when you get triggered, you know, the emotions are your fault, not the other person's. We're all responsible for our own feelings. So having a good healing tool, my favorite to recommend is the healing invocation that I have on my website. Uh, and you can, you know, invite your higher self to heal what's within you. You stay passive and it stirs up and flushes away the heavy, thick, sludgy energy that's causing the emotional pain or physical discomfort. And that's described, um, if someone wants to get to that, go to astroshaman.com. The last word on the menu bar is resources. First item below that says invocations for healing and awakening. And then that'll take you to a page. Second post with a screaming man is the healing invocation description. So those tools have helped many. You may have tools that work better for you, Nicole. Um, but, you know, but having a good tool to harmoniously work through something with um, and also a good tool for self-healing to do shadow work is, is going to be really important while Uranus is square your Venus. Um, yes, I will definitely check out those resources. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Uh, Venus, of course, is also creativity. So if you get creatively inspired during this time, you know, Uranus can electrify creativity and just take it off the charts. So electrical uh, creative inspiration could be super strong while Uranus is square Venus. And again, Venus is money as well. So, um, there could be sudden shifts in your financial situation. It could be a windfall or it could be something where you lose a lot of money. It's hard to know with Uranus because he's unpredictable. What I do recommend is be open to opportunities. And if the, the opportunity significantly outweighs the risk, you might you know check that out in financial terms. But also it's a good time not to do anything stupid. <laughs> because with yeah. Uranus destabilizing finance potentially with the square to Venus, you don't want to take stupid risks with your money. So it, it is a time to, but I would say if you get a very clear intuitive hit, uh, I would follow it. I'll give you the, the example in my own life of the most powerful intuitive hit I ever got and how much it cost me when I didn't follow it. <laughs> this was many years ago, just before the financial crash. And I had quite a bit of money for me anyway in an IRA. And my it's the only time my intuition has ever screamed at me. And it woke me up in the middle of the night and it said, sell all your stocks now. Wow. And, I, and I was just early in learning to work with it. And that was too radical a step. And I didn't. And the market crashed. And I did sell about a week later. And I lost about $30,000 compared to if I had sold it when my intuition told me to. Ouch. So that was like a very painful but very clear lesson. Do what your intuition says. It knows what's coming. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. So okay. so very, very painful and clear lesson on the wisdom of following my intuitive flashes around money, for myself anyway. 
So just, you know, be attentive to any kind of financial guidance you're getting from your, you're telling me you know when you get an intuitive flash and you can distinguish that from regular thoughts, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think a lot of times for me it comes through dreams. Then just, I mean, I guess is that, is that a flash or is that, I guess a dream isn't quite a flash. Well, dreams can be all sorts of different things. I'll tell you. Uh, having, you know, I mentioned I've interviewed hundreds of clients about, you know, intuition. I'll tell you the one thing they all agree on, the, what seems to be the single common denominator about what is the marker of a true intuition. And, and the only thing I've heard everyone agree to is that when it comes, there's absolute certainty. The moment that thought arrives, you absolutely know it's true in your bones. You know it in your gut. It doesn't necessarily make logical sense. It doesn't necessarily come with a reason or explanation, but you just know at the core of your being that it's true beyond intellect. And that to me is the only thing that everyone I've talked to agrees on that that's what defines intuition. You just know. Now you may doubt it half a second later. Your your left brain will then probably jump in and poo-poo it and try to try to, you know, discredit it. But it doesn't change the fact that on the arrival it was certainty. And to me, that's the only marker for sure that it was my higher self sending down a text message. <laughs> so that's, that's the, a good way to think of it, a text message. Yeah, I say text message from God. I'm going with that one. <laughs> now, some people get electrical, their, their nervous system, they'll get like a tingle or goosebumps or they'll have sort of an electrical nervous system phenomenon with an intuition, but that's not true for everybody. So that's only partially true. Uh, some people it's always true, but I, you can't take that as a, a definite because it, it's, not, it's not absolute. The only absolute is the certainty of the arrival of the thought. Okay, so, um, so we've covered um, you know, aligning to life purpose all over the board, uh, follow your intuitive flashes and shifting relationships and finances and creativity. Let's add on Venus's chart ruler. Uranus aspecting the chart ruler is also a great time to, if you want to shift your persona, like we said, change your hair, makeup, clothing, typical behaviors out in the world, any of that can shift now if you're so inspired. Uh, it's a good time to really be the authentic you. If you're not fully there yet, you know, stepping more fully into you, whatever that means, you know, whether it's your appearance, your behavior, it's, it's a real good time to get, get to be the authentic human Nicole that you are right now. So um, let me, I'm going to scan the email. I know you didn't verbalize everything in the email you sent me, so I'm just going to scan and see if there's any key points you left out. Um, you mentioned also, well, I think we covered everything except you being a mother and a wife. And, mm -hmm. and so I'll just tell you what I've broadly observed. Let me take a drink of water here. In my client work, I'm now up to close to 8,000 client sessions. And what I consistently see is the people who compromise their needs and desires for the sake of a partner or a child tend to have less fulfilling lives. And the ones who are their authentic selves actually become more wonderful wives and mothers. Because if you are getting your own needs and desires met, it fills you with a, a, such a heightened level of vitality and joy that you have a lot more energy to give back to those you're in partnership with. So uh, there, there's some very, yeah, some very toxic patriarchal messaging. Oh, the woman must, 
you know, give up her own wants and just tend to the husband or the child. And that's ingrained into so many people our age. You know, you and I aren't that far apart in age. But uh, I've seen the opposite to be true. The, the woman who is the best wife and mother is the one who is most authentically herself. So if you feel like there's uh, a paradigm shift that you can make there, if you were in that prior, I must martyr myself way of thinking, then I'd like you to reconsider that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't really feel martyred, but I do, it has been feeling kind of heavy and just like a lot of shoulds and obligations. Mm-hmm. And I would like to bring a little fun back yeah. into my life. Yeah, I think I think uh, you and inspiration. yeah, I think you and those you're in partnership with will all benefit from that. Yeah. Yeah, you've heard the phrase "Mama ain't happy and anyone happy," right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're the mama. Yeah. So you owe it to the, yeah. your husband and your kids to to be your most radiant, you know, you know, fulfilled self. And and I promise you, the more I've stepped into my own, you know, radiant, full, authentic self the more vital and energized I'm 59 and I have more energy than I had 30 or 40 years ago. It's amazing. Wow. So, wow. so being the true self, which also means awakening to the true, you know, essence of what you are as part of that, you know, is, is one of the greatest vitalizers. So I just, and it's not, I see it over and over again with my clients who are really on a good path. You know, they, they are getting their needs and desires met and they're lighting up with extra energy and vitality and juice and, and they have a lot more juice to give back to others. So I think you can make it a win-win all across the board. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so I think we've pretty well covered... Does that cover your concerns about transiting Uranus, landing on your North Node, and squaring your Venus? Yes, it definitely has given me some a little bit of comfort with it. Okay, good. Um, any loose ends on your question? Uh, no. Okay. No, this was extremely helpful. Oh, good. Now, I did, I, I did a full transit prep for you beyond those. And just in passing as a bonus, I'm going to mention two other things that are worth you knowing about. One okay. is that Neptune is beginning a square to your natal sun. This will be a four-year square. It's, it's in orb now. It won't be exact for another year or two, but it's already lighting it up. Just know that this is one of the most amazing transits for both spiritual awakening and inspired creativity you will ever have. Really? So putting attention on either or both of those for the next four years would be highly recommended. Okay. Also, for the next uh, one and a half to two years, Transit Chiron is going to be aspecting all of your angles. He's about to, uh, he's just days from crossing your descendant as we record this in early May of 2019. And since you have such tight angles, nearly at right angles to each other, Chiron's on the descendant, opposing the ascendant square, the midheaven, and the nadir. So Chiron is the wounded healer coming into the relationship house, <clears throat> just as Uranus square Venus will do to some degree. If you've got relationships that need releasing or healing, you'll get triggered. Chiron on the descendant always triggers all of your unhealed stuff, especially in relationship with others. So just expect that <clears throat> and, and be ready with some kind of shadow work tool, whether it's my healing invocation or anything else that works for you. Uh, just expect some of that. But Chiron coming into the seventh is also <clears throat> possibly mentoring or healing energy coming in there. That could be you being a mentor or healer to others, others doing it for you, uh, all part and parcel with the shadow work that'll be arising as part of that. 
Um, and I love shadow work because I found over and over again me getting triggered with some old wound or some past life thing um, is exactly how my higher self sets up the next level of my spiritual awakening because I think of it like a great onion. You know, the core of the onion is your fully awakened 100% conscious divine being covered over by layers of old unhealed pain, which forms the onion around it. And then every time one of those layers gets triggered and you work with it well and you peel it away and you're done with it, then there's less blocking the light at the core. So I, I've, I've, I take it just as an axiom, doing effective shadow work when you get triggered is absolutely one of the very best ways to get to the next level of your spiritual awakening. Every time you do a successful piece of shadow work, you can actually feel a radical shift of awakening happening. And it's like you just took some amazing drug. Whoa! Who knew that was available? <laughs> I, love I love that onion analogy. Yeah, so, so just to give you a heads up, there's a couple of other really juicy things happening with Chiron onto the Descendant with Neptune squaring the Sun that are also worthy of your attention. So Chiron in the seventh with that, so that could be any kind of relationship, right? Uh, I mean, it's not just any, like, any romantic. It could be, it could be, it could be spouse, lover, friend, family, uh, business associate, open enemy, or any other person who, for any reason, is important in your life. Any person who, if they were not in your life, it would be notably different. Okay. So any relationship of importance at all? Yeah. All right. Wow, this should be interesting times. Yeah. So, um, so you've got tremendous opportunity here, uh, managed well. You, you'll come out in a couple of years much more authentically you, much more vibrant, much more in alignment with your soul purpose, um, putting attention into the relationships that really serve you, being more creative. Uh, I mean, good Lord, so many cool things, more spiritually awakened. So the, the opportunities in these next couple of years are just off the charts amazing if you if you handle them well. Wow. Okay. And with I'm Uranus, okay. yeah, and with Uranus the main player, following those intu following those intuitive flashes, I say would be a central method of working with this. Okay. And that Saturn Pluto is uh, moving on from the square to um, natal Saturn. Help lighten things up. Um, I'm not quite sure what you're referring to. Oh, I thought transiting um, Saturn and transiting Pluto and squaring my natal. They've been setting off that T-square between um, Mercury, Saturn, and Mars. Oh, they're they're pretty much past that. I'm not. I'm yeah. not I mean, there's a little bit left, but and that that's really way too much to get into here on the, yeah. the podcast. So yeah. we okay. we could look at that privately if you wanted to to, to do a session. But that's oh, yeah, no. that's a little more than we can we can deal with on time now. But but it is worth of, of, of note. I will say Pluto's long past them and, and Saturn will trigger them a little bit. But the other things I talked about, in my opinion, are much more important. The, the general principle here is the, the slower the transiting planet, the more powerful the effect. Right. So Saturn's going to go back and spend not even the natal Saturn even more, just a little bit of simulation on the natal Mercury and Mars, like at 15 and 17 cardinal. But um, the... the the slower planets, you know, Pluto, Neptune, Uranus, Chiron, I find pretty much always have much more profound impacts than transiting Saturn or Jupiter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because the slow guys spend a lot of time there and they carry a lot of juju. Uh, yeah. So I'm okay. glad you brought that up just so I could make that point. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, wow, uh, this has been tremendously helpful. Oh, I'm so, so glad, Nicole. My pleasure. I'm so glad you chose to do this with me, and I and I hope our listeners have gained some insights too. 
So thank you, Nicole, for being on the show. Thank you so much. Are you having challenges in your relationship? Needing more clarity around career? Wanting to get on track with your soul purpose, but not sure what it is? You're in luck. An Astrology Plus session with me can give you the soul-level wisdom you need to get back on track with your relationship, career, and soul purpose. I can also give you insights into optimal timing, spirituality, relocation, and much more. After more than 8,000 sessions and 14 years of professional practice, I've developed the expertise to help you with just about anything, and we're not limited to astrology. Your session could also include awakening activation, shamanic healing, and more at no extra charge. If you need ongoing support to master your challenges, consider astro-shamanic life coaching. My unique combination of modalities can help you move from pain to joy in any part of your life faster than you might have thought possible. My sessions are equally effective long distance or in person, and I'll include an MP3 of your session at no extra charge. To learn more, visit astroshaman.com. I love my work, and I look forward to helping you. We're wrapping up this episode. This Week in Astrology is honored to be chosen by Feedspot as one of the Internet's top 10 astrology podcasts. Check out our website, where you can hear the show and subscribe to podcast updates. You can also do a single sign-up for two great opportunities, chances to win a free consultation and have your chart interpreted on the show. You can also donate to support us. Go to thisweekinastrology.com. From there, you'll be automatically redirected to the This Week in Astrology area of astroshaman.com. Thank you so much for listening. I wish you infinite blessings as the stars light your way. This Week in Astrology is copyright 2018 by Astro Shaman. All rights reserved, although enthusiastic sharing is encouraged. You can access our free comprehensive audio archive from thisweekinastrology.com. If you'd like me to illustrate the weekly forecast with your chart, please send me your date, time, and city of birth. This also gives you a chance to win a free session with me every month. I welcome your personal questions for my live listener consultation segments. I also welcome your general astrology questions and feedback. Just email info at astroshaman.com. I look forward to making you a part of This Week in Astrology. Here's the index. Our intro begins at a minute 36 seconds, May 16, 2 minutes 17 seconds, the 17th, 231, the 18th, 321, the 20th, 741, the 21st, 812, the 22nd, 1058, the 23rd, 1124, the 24th, 1247, the 26th, 13 minutes even, the 28th, 1409, the 29th, 1505, the 30th, 1550, the 31st, 1709. Next show's highlights, 1820, announcements, 2005, and our interactive listener chart, 2050. Thank you so much for listening to This Week in Astrology.